all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Thank you for joining us on Southern Remedy for Women. I'm Karen Brown. Dr. Michelle Owens is here. She's a specialist in maternal fetal medicine and OBGYN at UMMC. And surgical pathologist, Dr. Allie Brown. They're always here. One of our favorite experts, one of our favorite guests is Dr. Stephanie Thomas. She is the foot person. She's a podiatrist by trade. The, the foot person. The foot doctor. The foot doctor, the foot expert. And what Dr. Stephanie will tell you immediately is your feet shouldn't hurt. If your feet hurt, there's something wrong. If it hurts, you're not doing it right. So get your questions ready and give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING, 1-877-672-7464, or send an email to women at mpbonline.org. I encourage you to get your phone call in early. This show always has a lot of phone calls about corns and bunions and why does it hurt on top of my big toe and those Plant kinds of things. Fasciitis. Fasciitis. I love Heel spurs, bone spurs. Smelly feet. Achy, breaky, arches. Fungus feet. Neuropathy. My nails. Oh, yeah. You you see those nail, those ads in the paper or magazines. And it shows that fungus, that horrible. And somebody always mentions Vicks Vapor Rub. We always get a Vicks Vapor Rub. That's right. That's always the the suggestion. So uh, so we've just given you all these suggestions. You go, oh, that reminds me that I have this going on. So good morning, everybody. How's everyone doing? Good morning. It's a beautiful day. It's Friday. Yay, Friday. Friday. Dr. Friday. Thomas, thank you for being Friday. here. And, and as you mentioned, we're kicking off, what is April? April is Foot Health Awareness Month. So this is the perfect show. We're doing it before anyone else. That's right. That's right. We got what, the scoop. What do we most need to be aware of in regard to our feet? How is the foundation of everything? Without your feet, you can't stand, you can't walk, so you need it. You can't move forward in life. There you go. Without your feet. <laughs> That's it. It's a, it, it, that's a very organic message, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. The foundation, the your foundation. foundation. Well, I, I'm kind of excited, you know, that, that there's an the awareness piece. And it's not, I think, sometimes always about there being something wrong, but just to kind of call attention to... Um, to something that people don't always necessarily think about when they think about health maintenance right. and their health health awareness. And, and so when people go to um, and this was it's, it's funny because as I was driving to this show, I was thinking about this relationship that has developed between Dr. Stephanie and myself and Dr. Brown um, and how I cold called you. Right. Very be- at, at the very beginning when we were first starting to do this show. And my whole thing was, you know, People don't really know who to go to. Like we we know that there are podiatrists, but 
like people don't really know where to go when their feet hurt. And so when you're talking to or even that they're to go somewhere. Yeah. Right. There's a place to go. So so when you go to your gynecologist, nobody's ever mentioned their feet hurt. I've noticed how their feet may smell. Um, and how their feet appear. I mean, you, I'm not even making a comment. Are, well, exactly. <laughs> look to your left, look to your right, foot, foot. So, um, so you notice those things, but I, like, no, there are plenty of people who, if a patient were to say, or if somebody said, hey, my feet are bothering me, I don't know that there are probably some providers who wouldn't feel comfortable addressing those concerns or who wouldn't know what to do. And then the other piece is that sometimes I don't know that patients feel like, oh, well, that's my such and such doctor. Like when I go to my cardiologist, do I tell them about my feet? I think some people who have chronic medical problems like diabetics and those kind of people Mm -hmm. will feel comfortable because that's considered part of their care because they're a high risk group. But they're not the only people who have foot issues. And so for I think we as providers have to do a better job at talking to the patients. I have a lot of patients that may have problems and they've just seen their family physician. And didn't mention yeah. it. And they just said, well, I just assumed that it was something I would have to live with. And I've been taking ibuprofen every day for months and didn't mention it to anyone, which yeah. is still important. Uh, so you'll see that a lot. I think we as providers have to do a better job of asking what's wrong, not just with that body part, but what's wrong, anything going on with you as a whole. Well, yeah, I think the other part, though, is that like you, some people don't want to. I know I do this. You don't ask a question you don't want to know the answer to, right? So <laughs> too so much you, information is it, not necessary. So Doctor Owens doesn't want to have to give Pri- up her shoe. Prime <laughs> example, Doctor Stephanie, how many patients have you asked about their vaginal bleeding? You don't ask those questions because it's not really in your wheelhouse. And oh my so gosh, I, I never thought that would mammograms. come up on a foot show. But for those people, for those people for whom we are, you know, like everybody's kind of into their thing. Yeah. And so if it's not really part of your thing, you may not think to ask about that and give people an opportunity or open the door for the conversation that might even get you a referral to Dr. Stephanie or or to be able to evaluate something that they have going on with them. Because we don't really we we don't talk about feet very much. So that's kind of why this show I'm, I'm thrilled about the success of this particular show on Southern Remedy, because it confirms something that I thought, which was that we. You know, we really need to have this venue available for people to find we out what's going on with their feet. We are defeating this barrier. We're going to the phones. Oh. We're going to the phones. Frank is calling in from Jackson. Hi, Frank. Good morning, ladies. Good morning, Frank. I apologize for your intro being that very bad joke by Dr. Brown. But how are you? <laughs> oh, too much energy in the show. <laughs> is there uh, such a thing? You have a question, Frank? I have a foot issue. Uh-huh. I know my feet smell when my wife tells me my feet smell. Mm-hmm. I don't pay any attention to it. Okay. I went on a vegetarian diet for about four years, mostly vegetarian, very little meat. But when I lost a lot of weight when I got sick, I started eating meat again to put the weight back on. And my wife's complaints about my feet smelling went up astronomically. So uh, I went out and I said, well, what's the cheapest thing I have in the house that'll help me? So I put baking soda in my shoes and on my socks. I thought you were going to say you put bacon on your... That's more me. That's more me. Okay. Could I go without washing my feet or changing my socks before my wife would complain about my feet smelling? And I would barely put new baking soda on the... um, in my shoes and in my socks and my wife never... To this day, she has not complained. I hope she doesn't hear the show. (laughs) Baking 
soda seems to be a good deodorizer. And it is. It's also a way of cutting down on these, uh, these odors. But I'm like most folks, I get uh, nose dead. You know, you just smell it. I'll smell the side. I say, doesn't smell bad to me. Nose mind. blind. I love that term. Well, uh, Frank, you know, you mentioned about the odor and the powder is good as far as absorbing the moisture. The reason why you're having an odor is because of moisture. There's a product that's over the counter called Certain Dry, D-R-I, and you can use that and it'll help decrease the perspiration. So if you get rid of the perspiration, you probably won't have the smell at all. You put deodorant on your feet, Frank. Basically. So you don't sweat. Baking soda is a lot cheaper, I'm sure. It is. Well, yeah, it's cheaper. But you're not fixing the underlying problem. You're just absorbing the bad smell with the baking soda. The deodorant will fix the problem of the sweating. Problem is my diet. Sweating, nothing wrong with sweat, but when you have all of these microbes that are the byproducts of eating meat, that's where the odor comes from. Uh, Okay. Frank, thank you so much for your phone call. If you want to give us a call, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or if you need more time to put your thoughts together, send an email to women at mpbonline.org. So we do have um Frank made an interesting point. Um, you know, we always hear you are what you eat and how certain items that we may partake of or that we include in our diet, certain foods, etc., can lend themselves to um, producing certain scents or um, certain odors. Um, And I think we've heard that in several of our other shows, whether it's what you eat, like how many people are saying, I don't want to eat onions because my breath will smell like onions or garlic. Garlic Mm -hmm. Garlic is another one. And so you do sometimes get a, a, a scent that can kind of, it almost is like it comes through your pores. If you have high amounts or high intakes of certain things, garlic is one that, that really rings true for me. And there are people who have high garlic diets or certain types of diets where foods, certain, certain of those aromatic type foods are um, taken in high quantities. And you can, they, they do sometimes have a different odor or scent or smell. But I think with, with feet, while that, while that may be true and may be a contributor, um, and bacteria, of course, also play a role. If you eliminate... I mean, the, there's 2,500 sweat glands in the foot. You're going to perspire. And you're going to perspire, and you have on socks, you have on shoes. So fungus or any odor-producing uh, organism, it loves warm, dark, moist environments. He can't control heat. He can't control dark, so he wears shoes. But he can reduce the perspiration. 2,500? Yeah. In each foot? Uh-huh. So it also matters what you what kind of uh-huh. sock you wear or I mean, I mean, if you're wearing nylon, if you're a woman right. wearing nylon, isn't that going to be worse? Right. For because smell? It, it, right. Cotton is always going to be the best because nylon. It's I mean, there's no way you can get any air to it. I have on cotton socks, just so you know, and no heels today. I'm so proud. Just I just set my feet uh-huh. free. Cotton, see if cotton when we come back from our first break, We're I do want to about- ask you about I want to ask you about um, things that people think will work. Okay. And that really don't. I've learned so much from this show, so I'm going to bring up the things that I've learned. Uh, We'll be back. And again, the phone number to call is 1 877 MPB Ring, 877 672 7464. Go ahead and give us a call or send us an email, and we'll be back on Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy for Women. We are talking about feet today with our special guest, the podiatrist, Dr. Stephanie Thomas. Before we go any further, tell us where you are. You get to promote your business, Dr. Thomas. Are you listening to me? I am. I <laughs> am. Listening and you're, you're warm. At the I'm, same I'm time. in Clinton. We have two locations actually in Clinton and in Cleveland, Mississippi. So, um, and right now we are being Facebooked live. Yes. And we're That's, trying to force her to uh, take her expertise down to our friends at the coast so that they too can have some, some foot expertise in their now world. Now, where can people see this Facebook live if they like to? like to there, see you. I think there, she's using our Facebook page, Premier Foot Clinic. She's Premier, on our Premier Foot Clinic. Yeah. All right, so you can go to Facebook and see that. Okay. You can see me while I'm also trying to post stuff on social media. So yeah. here's my question or my comments. I've learned a lot on this show, okay. and there are things that I've learned that still I resist. For instance, I know I've used those socks or those, those toe separators that you use if your toes are overlapping, you know, mm-hmm. and I just saw some the other day and they looked really cool and I thought I bet these work but you've said all along those don't work right in order to when you say work are you trying to correct the deformity right because you put them on you don't wear them with shoes they're too thick so they're supposed to separate your toes um, and and stretch that but they're not going to take care of that on a permanent basis no they're not I mean if it was if it was that easy to manipulate our bodies (laughs) then I would wear something around my waist, my hips, and everything. Right. Yeah. Well, do they it's do like anything? For is, your it, is it worth using them at all? It can give you relief because a lot of times those tendons can, um, you can get spasms from the tendons themselves. So if you do that and it stretches the tendon, it would give you some pain relief. But that's not a, a long-term solution, especially if you're trying to correct the deformity. If you don't like the, the way it looks, for instance, if you're trying to move it. But if you're just trying to stop the spasms, you could try it. But once you take it off, the toes are going to go it's back to go their back position. It's going to go back to their regular position, okay. and you're back to where you started. The other thing is, all those products they sell for calluses, to remove calluses or, you know, growths on your feet. We all get these thick calluses. Like, mm-hmm. I get mine on the balls of my feet, and um, sometimes on the side, up where that, I don't know, what that is that? Cal- <laughs> well, calluses are always caused by abnormal pressure, so keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. So something biomechanically, um, as far as the way you walk, the type of shoe you're wearing, is causing it. The over-the-counter uh, products have salicylic acid. So, yes, it basically eats away at the skin. But if you haven't changed the shoe type or whatever is causing the underlying problem, I expect the callus to come back and you can have a um, continued use of using this salicylic acid, but be careful in very tiny print. It says, do not use if you're a diabetic, do not use if you have any vascular issues. I have done amputations on patients that have used those products and they did not realize that it not only got rid of the callus, it got rid of some other healthy tissue it shouldn't have. Why? What happened? It eats away at the tissue. It's the acid. You put an acid on your foot or on your that kind of turns me off to it, ah. frankly. Be very careful. You yeah. eat away at my foot. At well, you, know, you mentioned something else, though, when you talked about like um, things that you can do to your feet. So I have, I don't know where I purchased these um, these little gel things. Now I know that there are spacers that people can use sometimes to kind of help if they 
If they have not heard our show before and don't understand the difficulties associated with the pointy shoes, very cute pointy shoes. Um, but one of the other things that I have found is these this little gel thing that spaces out your toes and you just put your toes in there and it forces them apart. Is that what, it is? Yeah, so, that's, what, that's what Karen's talking about. No, right. but this yeah, is yeah. like that's for, what I have. For, the gel ones. No, but this is like it forces them apart, not for them to go into foot gear. That's something I learned since we're all sharing things that we've learned over the years with Dr. <laughs> Stephanie. Because um, I used to just call them shoes, but they're foot gear. Um, so no, you don't wear them with shoes, right? But oh my gosh, they're the best thing. I mean, but it's that's, like but that's it's like just, doing yoga on your yeah, foot. Exactly. That's, that's what, what I love. The foot yoga. Yeah. It is wonderful. Yeah. But it, I mean, we all need to stretch. Well, so what do you think about the, the people who do the, um, and we do have a caller and I'm, I'm not ignoring you, Jay. We're going to get to you in just a second, but I just have this one question. So there are, um, because we've been talking about a lot of organic problems. What do you think about these um, foot massage places? There are many of them. There are, there are some that are in the malls. There are some that are, you know, along the streets and in some tourist places like in New Orleans. Oh, my gosh, like they're that. everywhere. They're, absolutely. So what do you think about those, the reflexology places or the foot massage places? The foot massage, I mean, the, the active massage period is great regardless of what body it's part. It's really good if yeah. it's your foot, though. It's it great. is. It is. But it relaxes you. Yeah. But I love the little yoga thingy mahudras yeah. for your feet. They're but that's amazing. Just, but that's basically, it's just stretching those tendons. Oh. Yeah. It, to see, it makes, it just calms me just to think about it. It's Ooh, a wonderful I'm thing. I'm going to get some. You need them. I, look, I would let you borrow mine. They're okay. Clean. Jay, <laughs> welcome to the show. Jay's calling in from Jackson. Do you have a question, Jay? Yes, I do. I have a question about Martin's neuroma. Uh, a doctor su- suggested that that was part of the problem of my foot. It's a it's a very painful uh, area that's roughly oh, three quarter inches up from up towards the foot mm-hmm. from the base of the of the third and fourth toes. And uh, I'd like more information about it. What is it actually? It's- and then uh, what? What can be done about it? Okay. It's basically an inflammation or swelling of a nerve, and that nerve is between the, you were talking about between the third and fourth toes, but in the ball of the foot. It typically happens either there was, the most common is there was a shoe that was too tight. I know, and I have no idea what type of shoe, and it doesn't matter um, how long you wore that shoe. It could have been an incident where you wore a shoe for only an hour, and it causes inflammation of the nerve. It swells, and it can cause burning. Uh, numbness in the third and fourth toes, extremely painful. Feels like there's a pebble or rock in your foot. Um, yeah. In terms of treatment, uh, anti-inflammatory medications, sometimes I'll give a cortisone injection to reduce the swelling of the nerve. Um, there are certain padding you can do on the bottom of the foot to uh, separate the two bones so that they're not pressing on that nerve. What treatments have you gotten? You mentioned you saw a doctor. Have you seen a podiatrist? No, it wasn't a podiatrist. It was a, an osteopathic physician. Okay. I would probably see you're in the Jackson area, so there's a ton of podiatrists around you. Um, and just see, because we are all pretty um, familiar with that condition. It is common. Um, and most of the time, it can be treated without surgery. Okay. You, did you mention uh, a steroid injection? I did. Uh-huh. Okay. That, that sounds good because I've responded to that sort of thing. Okay. Well, we wish, we wish you great luck, Jay, and thank you so much for calling. 
And now we go back to the phone. Tim is calling in from Hattiesburg. Hi, Tim. Hey, how are you this morning? We're doing great. How are you? Doing fine. Thanks for taking my call. I was talking to the uh, man who answers the phone, and uh, I might have had the same uh, situation as his last caller, Jay had. I had the ball of my foot. I got a, a, a strong pain in the ball of my foot, and, and it lasted two or three weeks. Uh, and all of a sudden, the toe next to my big toe just crossed over onto my big toe. I shouldn't say all of a sudden, you know, but within that three-week period. And I went to podiatrist, and he hit me. He put some uh, steroids in there and uh, said he could fix it, but I, he never told me what it would take to to uh, fix it. It still crossed over. And I've always wore shoes that were a little too big. I got wide feet, so I've always liked to have a little extra room. Uh, I, I, like I say, he never told me what it would take to uh get that toe back where it belongs. The second toe crossed over the big toe? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, typically, as you said, it's happened within a three-week period. That's a little unusual unless there was some other underlying problem. I wonder if you perhaps had a... I would be concerned if you had a fracture or something like that that happened that did not get addressed. Um, were x-rays taken? Yes, ma'am. Okay. I would probably follow up with that doctor just to see what's going on or get a second opinion, because that would be what I would want, especially with your toe crossing suddenly. That would make me think, and if not a broken bone, that something else happened. Sometimes you can have a a stress fracture, and it may not show up on x-ray right away. So you may need to get a second x-ray or even get a CT or MRI. But that would be my concern is, did something else happen? All right, because actually, uh, several months after that, my uh, other foot started to get the same kind of pain, and, and it was difficult to walk on it. And I went back to the same doctor, and he, he gave me a shot of steroids, and, and that uh, actually, from I hobbled into the office and kind of hobbled back out. The next day, I was walking just fine again on the on the other foot. I figured it was the same thing. I, I, I think he said I, I had I can't remember what it. Somebody eating too much red meat. Uh, did he say you had gout? Gout, I think that's what he said. Ah, okay. Then if, okay. So if you've had gout, I wonder if you had some episodes in the past that you may not have realized was gout because it can cause deterioration of the bone and you can have what's called a gouty arthritis. Okay. Yeah, because I'm, I'm in my mid-60s now and, and sometimes I get pains in my hip and I and I, I don't know if maybe that's a, if gout goes through your whole body it can I, go I in know. any joint I would definitely recommend if that doctor hasn't you need some blood work done we need to check something called your uric acid and see if that's elevated Okay. Tim, we wish you the best of luck. Yeah. Thank you so much for calling. Interesting. Yeah, and it's really... Take care. Yeah, we talked about how people who have diabetes, um, you know, there's an, an, an interest in their feet. But the other thing that we oftentimes, I think, don't think of is the joints that exist in your feet. So arthritis and anything that can affect your your arthritis, like osteoarthritis and other types of inflammatory right. um, diseases can also affect your feet or cause problems for your feet. And with diabetes, it's a problem with perfusion. So it's blood supply and also nerve damage um, that can lead to people not recognizing when infections may have occurred um, 
et cetera. But I think that that's another really interesting thing is that here you, you the way that we were listening at first, I think, and following it, thinking it might have been a mechanical issue. Right. And then you hear gout and he mentioned his hip. And so it's like, it well, like yeah. like a mystery. We're like, what detective? <laughs> but isn't gout most likely to be in your big toe? It's the most common. But Why I, is that? It's just there's not really a there's a bunch of different reasons on the why um, as far as how the uric acid travels the furthest point from the because it's the kidneys that's supposed to be filtering it and it just hits the furthest Uh point from the kidney. But you can see it anywhere. It is not just in that big toe joint. It can be in their knees, elbow, Mm -hmm. ear. It doesn't matter. So and even even in their hands, in their hands. It's interesting. I've taken care of pregnant patients who have also had um, gout. And um, one in particular who I'm thinking of had a really, really bad case of gout and had uh, even uh, deformities on the bones of her hands as a result of of that gout. So, yeah. Was that related to her pregnancy? No, it wasn't. It was about her. It was about her gout. So, you know, you. But she was young, apparently, if she was a child. But there's not a there's this thing that gout is for seniors. That's not. not, Yeah, Yeah, it can happen at any age. Exactly. And so that's that's one of the things I think is really interesting because you get to see these unique situations. I'm getting the cue that we're getting ready to go to a break. It's like the Oscars. Um, I know, right? <laughs> but um, yeah, you get to see some unique things and there's not any one size fits all when it comes to medicine. There are definitely some uh, some exceptions. If you'd like to give us a call, please do. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring one 672 or send an email to women at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back on Southern Remedy for Women on MPB. Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy for Women. I'm Karen Brown. Dr. Michelle Owens is here. She's she's the big doctor. She's the chief doctor. And uh, Dr. Ali Brown is here. What am I? You're the, the, you're little, the second in command. The little doctor. I'm the, I'm the baby doctor. She's the you're baby. The, you're the fill-in doctor. The baby. And our the vice doctor. doctor today, the most Ooh, important doctor in the that's room. That's right. That's true now. Is our guest, Dr. Stephanie Our Thomas. queen doctor. She yes. is a foot doctor, a podiatrist. But she's the foot queen. The foot queen, the foot doctor. Did you really just go, you went coming to America on us right there. Okay, <laughs> moving on to our feet. All right, what are the most common foot problems you treat? Heel pain is probably number one, especially in the spring and summer. I think it's what happens in January. Everyone says, I'm going to exercise and lose weight. And they go out and injure themselves. So we end up getting a lot of minor sports injuries, I call those, just secondary to 
I'm trying to get into that bikini for the summer. Before they do it, they make it really hard for those of us who like to use the gym regularly to be able to get in and out without <laughs> it taking all day. Yes. And y'all know you're not going to be there in two more months. So you it's, just need so to what go happens and stay to home. the heel? Is it strained? <laughs> it's sprained? strained. Most of the time they don't stretch properly or things like that and they end up injuring it. Or they're doing too much. You know, there's something about you got to go hard and go fast and all that. And that's not true. So um, there's a little cliche that we say all the time before you start an exercise program, consult your physician. I think most don't, and they just go right. and do things. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we or see start that. slow. Yeah, the, well, uh, that's hard. So okay, in defense of those people who are really out there going hard when they've not gone hard in twenty years, that is so hard to do because you can remember it wasn't that long ago. You still feel the same. You're like. I mean, how hard was it? Because then when you were in great shape, it was effortless. But you don't realize that it was because you were conditioned. Right. I call those weekend warriors and they will be in our office soon limping. So we have to educate. Yeah. And make sure we don't do that. But I understand the weekend warriors because I, too, have found myself a little sorer the next day than I expected. So Mac is calling from Arkansas. Hi, Mac. Hello, how are y'all doing today? We are doing great, Mac. How are things up in Arkansas? Uh, getting better every day. That's awesome. Fantastic. What's your question? I, uh, I'm pretty sure it's plantar fasciitis, but what it is is the balls of my feet, and it doesn't matter what size shoe I wear, I've got very flat feet. Uh, I wear the widest shoe I can find. It's plenty of room. But the balls of my feet, after walking... Uh, 20 minutes even. Being on my feet 15, 20 minutes, the balls of my feet literally feel like they're on fire and there's just no relief for the rest of the day. So I was wondering if there's anything possible I could do to kind of help that out. Um, I don't think it's plantar fasciitis. Um, It sounds like you have what's called metatarsalgia. Ooh. Um, Say that 10 times fast. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but my concern would be either the type of shoe you're wearing. And because I don't know what type of foot you have, you really yeah. need to see, um, go go to your local doc, your local podiatrist, so they can assess. Sometimes it could be a biomechanical problem or a structural problem where you may need a custom insert called an orthotic. Yeah. But the fact that it burns um, makes me think it may just be some general inflammation that's going on. You, you need, an x-ray definitely will be needed. Okay, yeah, because I've broken my toes and feet before, and I've broken a lot of bones. So. Matt, what kind it of work sounds do you like do? you are hard on your skeleton. What is <laughs> going on? Hard. I, well, military and being airborne didn't help. Ah, so. I got and it. Just, you, you had know, to jump out of airplanes and you land on your feet? That you, wait, he yes, did ma'am. mention he had flat feet. I have yes, a, yeah, flat. if they are very flat, it probably is um metatarsalgia or something to that effect. Can't they um, keep you out of the military if you have flat feet? No, they ah. will They will give you no. some orthotics, some custom inserts, and keep you moving. That's, <laughs> that's old. Well, that's, that was 30 years ago, so I yeah. didn't have flat feet when I went in. It's just, uh, they, they just, just worn down over time. Flat. That's it. Right. That's it. Courtesy of the U.S. government, you've inherited flat feet. <laughs> go, if you go, go to the to VA podiatrist. Lo- I, I was going to say, go to the VA because they have people there that can make orthotics for you. Okay. Um, I would start that route and see. That's what it sounds like. All righty. Okay. Thank you for your call, Mac. What's it called? Metatarsalgia. 
Okay, I won't remember that. Okay. <laughs> Maybe we can spell it. Metatarsia. Just, hey, when you go and see and have your family doc refer you to the podiatrist, they'll be able to give you more information. That's what it sounds like, but you need an x-ray first. Just to be okay, on the safe thank side. thank you very much. Okay. Thanks, Mac. Have a great weekend. I've noticed our callers are all men. So you think about classically women wearing the bad shoes and having issues, but how, what do you see in your practice uh, about we distribution? We actually see more women than men, believe it or not. Michelle, I'm- our producer, wants to come on the air. <laughs> oh, I thought she did. What are you doing? No, no. I was saying I'm a woman. I actually have a problem. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Don't we all? But you Michelle. know what? Since we actually, you just segued me in, but uh, let's talk about my issue uh, with the, I wear heels all the time. I have actually two yeah. pairs of heels under my desk right now. And not on your foot. <laughs> That's how she's a trooper, man. I actually drive in flip-flops because you know your mama t- don't drive in your good shoes and mess up your heels. Okay. So I don't <laughs> drive in my heels. I don't even walk in our parking lot because it's a lot of rocks and things. So I walk in with my flip-flops and I put my heels on when I get here, but I noticed I don't even, I can't give you a time doc, but I noticed this lump on the top of my right foot Mm -hmm. and it doesn't hurt and it's kind of squishy and I can move it around and people say stop, gross. Just describing it is gross. Yeah, (laughs) but um, my non-medical person just told me to drop a book on my foot (laughs) and it will go away. I just want to make a point that sounds like you take better care of your shoes than your feet. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Which is interesting. God. Right? But um, (laughs) Okay, see that? That's what happens when the producer comes on. It is a ganglion cyst. If it's not painful, I wouldn't worry about it. Okay. Um, it typically, it rides alongside a tendon. So something triggered it. It could have been a minor trauma. It could have been something as simple as a shoe that you were wearing tight. Even something like a tennis shoe. Even something like a tennis okay. shoe and you tied it too tight. So it doesn't have to be, oh, it's just the heel. Um, it could have been you dropped something on the foot and you ignored it and kept moving. Yeah. And so the cyst ends up falling. It normally rides alongside a tendon. But if it doesn't hurt, I typically don't recommend doing anything unless it starts to change behavior. And by changing behavior, it increases in size, starts to hurt when you... Um, then you can drop a book on it. <laughs> so let's just talk about, I uh, just want to reiterate what you said. If it changes uh, in characteristics, meaning pain or pain, gets larger. Size, yeah, get it checked out. Don't assume anything. Okay, because it doesn't hurt now. And I don't want to, so a lot of people, my friend's mother got hers lanced. And I'm like, I don't have time. I'm really busy. I don't have time right. to go I to the doctor. I typically don't, get, yeah, mm-hmm. unless, and it, to be honest with you, because I I've have already looked at it. It's not ripe enough to quote unquote lance, and that's right. what you're aspirating. But it's not even ready. It's almost like a zit. You don't want to pop it until it's ready. Oh, oh my goodness! Ooh. You do? She did. She Thank yeah, you, she Michelle. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. That was my question. <laughs> well, you know that's the thing, though. I so I believe though that perhaps maybe the issue is that a lot of times, and it's funny that you say you see more female patients in your in your practice because. I would think that many of us are just conditioned that that is just the price you pay for beauty. That's exactly. And beauty so hurts. it does. I mean, if you think about it, there are so many things that we as women put on our bodies that are uncomfortable um, or or that just kind of don't really make physiologic sense. But we do it because it helps to make us appear a certain way. And so I think that a lot of times with our with the shoe choices, those really high heels, which I am I'm all in. I love them. I mean, I'm all chips in the middle of the table. I love high heel shoes. And but one of the things that I decided a long time ago was that I wasn't going to purchase 
high heel shoes that were uncomfortable because there are some you put on, you walk around in the store and you're like, Mm-mm, these are too You're going to buy the ones that are intolerably uncomfortable. Right. But here's the thing. After an extended period of time, I have also noticed that even my comfortable heels become a little bit uncomfortable. And I think that's just because I wasn't intended to be walking around like that and for eight just, or nine hours. And it's a not day. just the foot; it's the knee, it's the, the hip, back. it's the lower back. Yeah, that's so why heels all... are. That's what people. But that's why people think heels are wonderful. It's not just that they make your feet look cute, but it's the way that they make you stand and I mean, appear, and they make your little make your quads your, and your yeah. calves all nice and but tight and thick and pretty. And, and you're right, and it causes degeneration of all those joints and so by the time you're 55 or 60 such a mood killer yeah then you're walking around saying i need to go to the doctor and have surgery and wear the grandma shoes you don't want to wear (laughs) well if you're gonna be a grandma at some point and wear the grandma shoes then you're gonna get them eventually back to the phone we go is that mead calling in from jackson is it mead yes okay how are you i'm doing well what's your question i my question is uh well I had a toenail removed uh, approximately, going on two years ago, and it is growing, the toenail is growing back, but with the fungus, and I was checking to see what could I do. I've used uh, um, uh, something called, I think it's Claris. Keratin, maybe? absolutely nothing to help. Was it, was this a prescription? Yeah. Okay. It's probably was keratin because you have to use it for a year. The success rate for that is only about 20%, so it's not that high, um, unfortunately. If the nail is grown in with fungus and it's the entire nail, I probably would try something by mouth, the oral medication. Uh Uh-huh. Um, Would that be like an antibiotic? It's not an antibiotic. It's an antifungal medication, but it is a prescription, and you would have to take it for four months. I see. Okay. All right. Well, um, where is your office located? Oh, hey. You can go ahead, Dr. Okay. Thomas. Tell her. 705 Highway 80 West in Clinton. <laughs> 705 Highway 80, 80 West, West in Clinton. And what is the name of your office? Is it a clinic? Is it, it is. Premier Foot Clinic. Okay. All right. Mead, right. thank you so much. Getting in touch. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. She just so, got a customer. You know, and, and here's the thing. So... What what me just brings out, though, is something that's really important that I think people don't understand, because when she asked the question, is it an antibiotic? Most of us are accustomed to antibiotics being relatively short courses. If you have to take antibiotics for two weeks, you are really sick. Like, what in the world have you been doing? You have to take antibiotics for two weeks. We're used to the little Z-pack or whatever. So we're done in five days. We're done in seven days. Um, But with fungus or when you're treating with an antifungal, it takes a long time to get rid of it. I, it's like losing weight. Like yeah. it takes a long time. Well, especially with the nail. Yeah. yeah. Not, there's not a lot of blood Are supply to the nail. Are there side effects to taking antifungals for that long? Well, I mean, there's side there effects to every drug. Yeah, that's right. But as far as the risk, they actually aren't that bad. Um, years ago, we were always concerned about the liver enzymes, but the new recommendations are you don't really even have to check the liver enzymes anymore, <laughs> even though I still do. It really <laughs> depends on the patient. And if they're on uh, other medications other that I may think will interact with it. But it's actually really safe. The antifungal meds have been out. 
over 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, success rates about 70%. Still not 100, but... That's a whole um, lot different than the 20 you were talking about with the other meds that you yeah. have to take for and, a year. And unfortunately, sometimes when people have the nail removed, I don't know what their post-op care was, but when that nail was removed and it was an open area, how that was treated afterwards and what was the post-op care can decrease the likelihood of getting that fungal I infection. See. We need to take our last break of the show. If you want to give us a call, the number is one eight seven seven mpb be ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Call now. There isn't much time left in the show. Louise, hang on the line. We'll get to you as soon as we come back on Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. We're back on Southern Remedy for Women. It's our last segment to talk about your feet. And Louise is on the phone. She has a comment. Louise calling in from Mobile has a comment about fungus. Hi, Louise. Yes, hello. Uh, I'll get you off the speakers. Okay, you still there? Um, there. I've heard this years ago on MPP, no less, and tried it and it works. It's the Vicks VapoRub <laughs> that you usually put on your chest. I know you've heard it before. And uh, I've used it when I had a fungus on my big toe. Every day, well, I take a shower once a day. I do it right after the shower, and when I think about it, I apply it twice all around the toe, and it kills the fungus, and it allows the knee nail to grow, and I've done it twice with two, with different toes, different times. It really works because I really hate to take a pill that should heal my toe. That kind of goes against my, my uh, thinking. But Dr. Thomas, is that right? I'm not against medication. Don't get me wrong, but only if I have to. So okay. And is your? Are you asking whether Vicks VapoRub works, or tell me what? No, I know it works. Oh, okay. I've done it. I just want that young, that lady that called a little while ago about her toe to to, to hear that. Okay. I want yeah. to know if you've heard it before. I have um, heard it before, and I don't know. There's different types of fungus. Number one, and some is different than others. Um, I've seen it work, but I don't know if it was your own immune system that killed the fungus. You know, sometimes you can have an infection and you don't take anything and your own immune system takes care of it. I would really like to know what the active ingredient would be. Menthol. Menthol. Well, I know. So I get that. But but that's for the other part. But what is it? What would be the active ingredient in Vicks VapoRub? I was trying to look it up 
when uh, Louise first called because I was interested to know if there was something in there, either something that might be a, a natural home remedy that has kind of bactericidal properties that might be included in Vicks VapeRub. But even so, bactericidal versus fungicidal is totally different. Exactly. And she and the other thing is because tea tree oil is another one. Uh, and there are sometimes when people will think they have fungus and they don't and there's a bacteria in there. Um, it could have been a yeast. It could have been all kinds of stuff. So when patients will come in and say, hey, I think I have a fungus just because my nail is thick doesn't necessarily mean it's a fungus. Hmm. Fungus among us. Uh, Louise, thank you very much for your phone call. Appreciate it. Maybe it's the texture of that thing that kills the fungus. Hmm. That it won't let any air get in. I don't know. Anyway, food for thought, Louise, certainly. Thank you so much. Well, and here's the thing. You know, I think different things can work for different people, right? Just like different medications. You give one person a blood pressure medicine, it does nothing for their blood pressure. You give another person that same medication, they get great control. Um, So perhaps there are some um, people who have... there are different kinds of funguses that can cause. That's true. And funguses, I can tell you. Fungi. Fungi. Yeah. And we fungi. do have quite a few patients that have used Vicks Vapor Rub, just like the young lady. And they came because it didn't work. Ah. Um, well, so, some if they say yeah. that it does. I don't I, think there's been any studies or um, I don't think Vicks Vapor Rub has even done any studies to see if it works. But the truth is, I feel like I guess. So my take home message, because we've heard this several times, my take home message would be. Um, I wouldn't. So it probably won't hurt if you try it. But Correct. if it doesn't, if it if that doesn't work for you, if you're one of those people and it works for you, that's great. If you try it and it doesn't work, then you need to see somebody to get it treated. I agree. There you go. Sue is calling in from Beaumont. Hi, Sue. Hi, Karen. How are y'all? I'm doing hey, great. Doing Thank great. you. I want to give you a, a surefire cure for fungal infections in your between your toes or athlete's foot or anything with your feet. Wait, say that again. She says she wants to give us a surefire. Oh, surefire. Yeah. Okay, go what ahead. What is it, Sue? Yeah. Okay, because I'm an old nurse, and, and I, I had to learn to take care of my feet. You you, you take your pan of hot water and put a little a couple of squirts of a dishwashing liquid in it, and then you put some a couple of squirts of bleach in there. That bleach will kill that toenail. That, well, not about toenail, but it will kill any athlete's foot or any kind of thing like that on your feet. That is correct. Uh, bleach does kill fungus, but let me tell you what I've seen, Sue, in my office are chemical burns Ooh. from no, people. Somebody's put too much bleach in there. I, I agree, <laughs> wow. but, but what's the science, What's the exact amount to kill it? Well, I, I, have, a, I have a foot soaking pan. I put that full of hot water, put a little bleach in there, and uh, I, have, I have like a detergent bottle. I put some bleach in it, and mm-hmm. then I just put couple squirts in there. Right. Yeah, I would say we, we don't put a half a cup in there. But, yeah, <laughs> especially for people with diabetes. And you that's, have to dry really good between your toes between, after you get through, rinse your feet off after you have to soak. The temperature of the water, too. Rinse right? your feet off thoroughly, and then you have to dry between your toes very, very well. Yeah. That sounds right. a little scary if you don't know how much you're using exactly of bleach. Well, All right, Sue, thank you very thanks much. Thanks so much, Sue. We appreciate it. Have yeah, a great weekend. I, I don't... I think we want to emphasize that people don't want to really try that because that could be dangerous. Huh? I mean, that's why I said I've seen a lot of chemical burns because um, that is an old remedy. And it does clearly say on the bleach that it kills fungus. But it also says on that, do not use on skin. Yeah. So um, if you do it and, and you don't know, Sue is a nurse, so she is aware of certain yeah. things. But for the average person, they don't know. They've just been told because I've had it come in my office. I was told by someone that I could use bleach. 
but I didn't know how much. Because yeah. what is a skirt squirt? Yeah, that's, that's going to be the problem. And then you end up doing, she's right, you end up creating a bigger problem that yeah. then we have to resolve. Well, I think that's a, a good point. But there are also, so there are some skin um, issues that are treated with basically one of the medications is essentially a, a low concentration of bleach, basically. Right. Um, but that's the whole point, is that they're medicinally prepared and so... They kind of have that. That's the way that we make sure that people don't do harm. Correct. Because it's such a low concentration. But yeah, that's kind of one of those that you might not want to do at home unless Sue is your neighbor so that she can help you figure out what the right amount is. Um, because it is a very easy for you to have a chemical burn on your skin if you are messing around with bleach. Yeah, can definitely happen. Why are we hearing about don't do it if you're diabetic? Don't do it if you're diabetic. Because there are feet issues with diabetic, diabetics, well, I, but what? I, one of them is patients with peripheral neuropathy. I think sometimes we over panic a little bit about diabetic patients because I will have some patients that are well-controlled diabetics and they don't have any problems with their feet in terms of vascular blood flow or nerve damage. But for those that do or don't know, that's why you hear the do not use. Um, and a lot of patients don't know because no one checks they can't feel pain on their foot. They can't feel pain. They don't recognize. Um, so there might be an infection there that they're not aware of that could go on and on. I mean, they could burn themselves and not realize it. I couldn't tell you how many objects I've pulled out of feet. Or, oh, um, Ooh, good point. Last 30 seconds. What is the strangest thing that you've seen that you can say on the air um, in your practice? You can just give us one or two. The strangest thing that I've encountered in your practice now you only have like 20 I had a condition seconds. called necrotizing fasciitis, mm-hmm. which was uh, which this is really aggressive bacteria infection. It was different than what I had seen in textbooks. It was a patient who was an IV user, and she actually looked like she was from some alien. There was these huge bubble things that just kept popping all over her feet and legs I'd never seen before. Wow! When we opened them up. The smell was so horrific, at least two nurses passed out. Oh, my like gosh. Dying tissue, dead oh tissue. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Okay. Hey, that's our wow. show today. <laughs> so much for foot awareness, Hope Mark. you're enjoying your lunch, everybody. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah. Thank you, Dr. Thomas. <laughs> Southern Remedy for Women is a production of Mississippi show. Public Broadcasting Think Radio. It's funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by generous support from the MPB Foundation. Today's show was engineered by Michelle McAdoo, our call screener, Java Chapman. For Dr. Michelle Owens, for Dr. Allie Brown, I'm Karen Brown. Join us next Friday at 11 for Southern Remedy for Women, and stay tuned. NPR's Here and Now is next on MPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.